GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt says the province is taking steps to ensure a healthy cattle industry remains in this province. That's after word that SARM joined forces this week with the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association and the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association, expressing concerns over a number of issues when it comes to the livestock industry in this province. The percentage of glyphosate-resistant kochia weed has been rising since the first case was found 12 years ago in southern Alberta. There's been some studies on this, and Charles Geddes is a weed research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. He will talk about it on today's program. As you've heard on previous occasions, the upcoming regulatory changes on the use of Lambda products has now reached the political stage. We will hear from a couple of people who spoke about this issue when it comes to the Pest Regulatory Management Agency's implementation of uh, the Lambda products and being taken off the market for this year. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt says the government is taking steps to ensure a healthy cattle industry remains in the province. SARM joined forces this week with the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association and the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association, expressing concern about veterinarian shortages, low profitability, drought and farm support programs. Merritt says steps are being taken to provide help during difficult times. Well, we understand their, you know, their concerns, and we've always been trying to address those concerns as well. On the vet shortage, we've uh, initiated a, uh, obviously, an enhancement program for for rural vets and incentive program that way. We're also doing some more work with the uh, entrance of the vets into into the College of Vet Medicine if they're looking at a rural practice. Some opportunities around that as well. So. We're trying to address that. I think on the livestock support programs, we've done a pretty good job. If you look over the last few years, especially what we've gone through with the droughts and the drier conditions, you know, through our forage and rainfall insurance, just the last two years, we've paid out just under $100 million. We actually introduced another component that we heard from the industry a lot, was about the heat unit thing, opportunity there because of the, the intense heat, the moisture loss there. We base that on science. We uh, introduced that as well. That alone, that just that component alone, paid out another five million dollars to producers in in Saskatchewan. And then you look at what we've done with the Farm and Ranch uh, Water Infrastructure Program over the last two years, where we just did it just for the livestock sector alone, where we enhanced it up to 150 million dollars from the base of uh, where it was capped at 50 or 50,000, I should say. And we raised that up to 150,000 for uh, for just for ranchers only, and on that 100,000, the province paid 70 percent. So we are doing some things. Is there some things we'd like to do? You bet. We've been after the federal government to initiate or to bring in livestock price insurance as a national program. We continue to do that along with our colleagues from Alberta and uh, and Manitoba as well. And we'd like to see that. And we'll continue to push for that. Every time we meet with the federal minister, we talk about it. And, and I'm hopeful that she'll reconsider that. 
so that's kind of where we're at on, on the livestock side. I, I'm hoping we're doing the right thing. I know I've talked to some ranchers in my area. They like the programs. They're there. They're available. And I know in some cases, some very close friends have, have thanked me for the programs that we do have in place for the livestock sector. Merritt also notes that March is Agriculture Literacy Month in Saskatchewan. Well, obviously it's the importance of agriculture. Agriculture is the granddaddy industry in this province, and everybody knows it from the livestock sector to the grains and oilseed sector as well. So it's important. The month of March, from uh, March 1st to March 31st, is Ag Literacy Month, and this year's theme is Agriculture Stewardship. We have a great story to tell here, and we really need everybody to get on board and, and tell the story, right from the primary producer, whether you're a grain grower or a livestock producer or a food processor or you're doing something in the value-added side. It's a great story to tell. I just uh, was on a trade mission and telling about our sustainable agriculture here in the province of Saskatchewan. And I can tell you, companies around the world are starting to pay attention to what we're doing here. So it's important for everybody to understand really what's, what we're doing here, not only what we're doing, how we're doing it in a very sustainable manner. And it's a great story to tell that we want everybody right in the, you know, and that goes right back to egg in the classroom how we support that and getting students involved and engaged in it. And for the industry, whether you're a primary producer, or farmer, or rancher, to go to your school and tell your story on just what you do, how you do it, and why you do it. And we're seeing more of that. We're going to continue to build on egg in the classroom as well and further educate it and get it into more classrooms as well. I will be probably sometime in March reaching out to school as I have every year and gone in and read a story on agriculture to a grade four class in, in Regina or surrounding community around it. So I'm looking forward to doing that. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. The ice futures canola market drifted downward during the week ended yesterday, largely due to macroeconomic activity in the markets. That's according to one analyst. Jerry Clausen from Resilient Commodity Analysis in Winnipeg says canola prices have mostly followed the lead of the Chicago soy complex, while rains fell on Brazil as its soybean harvest began. The May canola contract closed yesterday at $818.60 per metric ton, a decline of $13.10 from one week earlier. Clausen adds there is usually an uptick in canola selling before March due to road restrictions being implemented on trucks during the month. Despite taking cues from the Chicago soy complex, canola did not fall to the same depths as soybeans during the week, where the May soybean contract lost 2.6% of its value to $14.94 U.S. a bushel, even after gaining in price yesterday. Pricing structure, insurance options, and cattle movement are all top of mind for Alberta's cattle feeders. Janice Tranberg, president of the Alberta Cattle Feeders Association, or ACFA, says that over the last few years they've been fighting fires and that this is likely to continue into the year ahead. For example, the Alberta government is bringing in new regulations around farming and livestock 
and the ACFA will need to be involved with how they will be implemented. Tranberg says the ACFA is also involved in a feasibility study set to wrap up this summer around captive insurance. Alberta's government has placed legislation to allow for captive insurance, and this may lower premiums. She says that a feasibility study will help the organization understand if this setup might lower premiums and provide insurance options in places where they are lacking. An Alberta livestock owner is facing charges after allegedly starving cattle and selling their meat without having it inspected. RCMP launched their investigation in November. After complaints, the Wheatland County resident was slaughtering sick and injured cattle, not disposing of the dead animals properly, and selling uninspected meat. Peter Weeb, the owner of Crocus Cooley Livestock, is charged with causing unnecessary suffering to animals, allowing animals to be in distress, unlawful disposal of dead cattle, selling uninspected meat, and other offenses. Wheatland County is east of Calgary and includes the communities of Strathmore, Gleeson, and Rockyford. The Prince Edward Island government has taken the first step in launching a report that will be used as the foundation for the creation of a province-wide land use plan. It has issued a request for proposals for a state-of-the-island report that will provide a snapshot of existing conditions and trends across PEI that must be considered when creating a land use plan. Agriculture and Land Minister Darlene Compton says that move signals the government's commitment to a made-for-PEI land use plan. Compton says it's acting now so it can continue to protect agriculture and forested land, coastal areas, and environmentally sensitive areas as the island population continues to grow. Parts of Western Europe are grappling with a second year of too little rain and snow. Italy is facing back-to-back years of drought for the first time in more than 30 years, and officials are mapping out a plan to deal with the water crisis. France has recorded the most winter days without rain since at least 1959. Snow levels in major French mountain ranges are also much lower than usual for this time of year. And that's the AgReview portion of our program. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 164.12. That's down one full cent. June live cattle trading at 159.47 down 112. April feeder cattle trading at 193.65, down 20. May feeder cattle trading at 198.72, down 27. April lean hogs trading at 83.95, down one full cent. May lean hogs trading at 93.12, that's down 40. And that's the livestock market conditions. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. The percentage of glyphosate-resistant kosher wheat has been rising since the first case was found 12 years ago in southern Alberta. Three subsequent weed surveys in Alberta found a rising population, starting with only 4% in 2012, 
up to 50% in 2017, and then 78% of surveyed weeds with some level of glyphosate resistance in the last survey in 2021. The last glyphosate-resistant kochia survey in Saskatchewan was conducted in 2019. It found resistance numbers had increased to 87% of the population surveyed. Charles Geddes is a weed research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. With glyphosate resistance in our recent surveys, what we've been finding is that about half of the, these populations that we're calling resistant have low-level resistance, and then the other half have moderate to high-level resistance. And so the cutoff there is basically roughly 20% of the plants in the population showing that resistance trait. The reason why we use that cutoff is based on herbicide efficacy, right? So in order for a herbicide to be labeled control, it needs to control that weed 80%. So 20% survivors is not necessarily out of the norm when it comes to a herbicide application. He says kochia weed is spreading north and east in Saskatchewan. Kochia is the biggest issue on the southern prairies, right? So it tends to become more of an issue the further south you are. It really thrives in those dry areas. So in kind of the south southwest of the province, it's certainly a big issue. But with that said, it does grow all the way up to um, Saskatoon and even maybe a bit further north than that. So it can be a fairly widespread issue. We've also done modeling on the suitable range for kochia, showing that uh, it's basically driven by temperature, right? So if you accumulate more growing degree days, it allows kochia to complete its life cycle, produce seed before the end of the year further north, right? So we, we are seeing that range move further north as we have warmer and warmer summers. Also with climate change, we're predicting that kochia is going to become an issue more in the center of the province than it will in the south. Geddes notes some producers are adding a product to glyphosate in an effort to curb resistance. One of the new things in kochia that we're working on is group 14 resistance. Um, so we have one population from Saskatchewan in 2021 that appears to be uh, group 14 resistance. And so essentially a lot of farmers were adding in group 14s to their pre-plant burn-down herbicide that would typically have just been glyphosate right, um, in order to manage the glyphosate-resistant kochia. But what that's doing is it's taking the selection pressure um, off of glyphosate and now applying it to that group 14 herbicide if your kochia population is already glyphosate resistant. So we were seeing large selection pressure for group 14 resistance. Uh, so it's not surprising that we're starting to see it show up in Saskatchewan. Uh, it's also just being confirmed in North Dakota as well. He's been conducting trials to control kochia without the use of a herbicide. A lot of our research on the management side looks at uh, ways to make your crop more competitive or how you can use your agronomic choices in order to um, get a competitive edge on kochia. So and what we're finding is that in one of our rotation studies, it was a four-year rotation where we found that in all of the summer annual crops in that rotation, if you narrowed the row spacing and doubled seeding rates from the current recommendations, we found that you can make those crops more competitive and across the rotation we found a reduction in kochia biomass by 80 percent which is quite significant. Getty says winter wheat seems to help cut down on kochia. 
Yeah, so so we're we're finding that uh, based on the biology of kochia, um, so kochia starts to produce seed roughly in that third week of August, and seed production increases quite rapidly throughout September. So. If you can time your harvests a little bit earlier, and one way you can do this is by integrating winter wheat into a crop rotation, for example. It helps you, first of all, have a competitive crop in the spring when kochia is just emerging, and so you have a lot of competition with the kochia, but then also you're harvesting that crop roughly before kochia starts to produce its seed. So you can open up another window for management, potentially decapitate some of those kochia plants and help mitigate the amount of seed that they're producing. And he says a few other crops can help cut down on kochia as well. Most winter annual crops, it's, it's mainly based on the life cycle rate where there's a range of other um, winter annual crops that we can grow on the prairies. So things like, like fall rye, for example, right? Uh, we would likely see a similar effect where these winter crops do quite well when they're integrated into a rotation for kosher management. Charles Geddes is a weed research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in Lethbridge, Alberta. It's time now for the Commodities Update, and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. When it's time to sell the farm, call Lane Realty, your trusted and experienced farmland real estate company. To include your property for showings, call 620-7260 or visit lanerealty.com. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this hour. May canola trading at 824.40, up $5.80. July canola trading at 820.10, up $5.30. May Minneapolis wheat trading at 873.5, up 10 cents. May Kansas City wheat trading at 823 and a quarter, up 7 cents. May Chicago wheat trading at 7.11 and a half, up one and a half cents. May corn trading at 6.33 and a quarter, down two and a half cents. May soybeans trading at 15.10 per bushel, that's up 15 and three quarters of a cent. May oats trading at 3.34 per bushel, down one and a half cents. And that's the Commodities Update. Upcoming regulatory changes on the use of Lambda products has now reached the political stage. As you heard earlier this week, the Saskatchewan and Alberta governments are urging the Pest Regulatory Management Agency, or PMRA, to implement an emergency reinstatement of Lambda products as soon as possible. The PMRA decision states Lambda products cannot be used for any crop that may end up as a livestock feed. These, uh, this restriction has prompted manufacturers to pull their product from Western Canada. Lambda products are registered to control grasshoppers and flea beetles and is found in brand ingredients such as Matador and Silencer. While it is not the only insecticide, it would limit producer control options in what could potentially be a bad year for both insects. Corey Leeson farms in the Radisson area, just northwest of Saskatoon. I've got some Corrigin, I've got some Pounce, I've got some Desis in storage. 
maybe we'll have to use it. And I don't have enough to do certainly all acres or any any such thing, but some defense should grasshoppers or other, or, or perhaps flea beetles or other problems arise. And the second challenge arises with a livestock feed. The United States does not have restrictions on Lambda products, and that opens the door to cross-border trade issues, according to Gord Kubris, the Vice President of Trade Policy and Crop Protection at the Canada Grains Council. One of the big reasons why we consider this to be unworkable is what's going to happen with the food versus feed distinction, which we've never seen on any PMRA decision before, on U.S. feed grains coming up whether that's U.S. corn or DDGs or what have you. Because if it says in Canada, you've got to follow the label. Otherwise, you are not in compliance with Canada's regulations. Okay, you can't treat a crop that's going to be used for food or feed. But on the U.S., let's say U.S. corn comes up. Does that mean there needs to be some sort of system in order to be able to try to determine bulked and blended U.S. corn coming up and whether any of that's been treated? Or would you measure compliance by saying all the pesticide residue data for corn coming up is non-detects for Lambda. Therefore, we can conclude that nothing's been treated. And either that would mean there would be a trade problem with U.S. corn coming up, or it means the Canadian uh, farmers would be at quite a significant disadvantage. The Saskatchewan and Alberta governments say an immediate emergency reinstatement of Lambda products is required for the 2023 growing season. They add this would give the PMRA additional time to make a more informed decision. The Canada Grains Council says the PMRA did not consider some important information when making its decision. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after these messages. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Stock dogs are playing an important role on more ranches and farms with cattle or sheep. A well-trained dog can make life a lot easier. Jolie and Marcel Vermette train border collies on their ranch north of Outlook, Saskatchewan. People are starting to realize that some of the finer training and fine-tuning on these dogs will allow them to not just be kind of that helper dog, but instead a dog that will replace, like I say, two to three other people out doing a job that needs to get done. And I think that is credit to some of our associations that are out there. We now have the Canadian Cattle Dog Association that is promoting dogs alongside the Saskatchewan Stock Dog Association and the Alberta and Manitoba ones. Border Collies are by far the most common stock dog. Probably 85% of what we see out there is Border Collies. few reasons for that, I believe, you know, they are just more readily available. There's more breeders probably. But we do see some Kelpies, some Australian Shepherds, the odd hanging tree, which are all different breeds that have similar tendencies and qualities and natural abilities like the Border Collie. But because that is my breed of choice and the one that I have worked with the most, I do believe that accessing the quality genetics is easier in the Border Collie because there are more breeders. And I do think that the intelligence of the Border Collie along with their natural instinct gives you the best recipe for hopefully having that dog that can rise to the level that we want. And how long does the training process take? It's just like kids, they all learn at a different rate. They can all take different levels of training on a daily basis. Some of them are not ready to start training until they're close to a year. 
some are ready six, seven, eight months. So that window of when they're mentally ready to start training kind of dictates how far you can go and how fast you can go because a good dog can be put in a training situation with way too much pressure too early and then you will have a dog that you either damage or can't get trained to the level of one that you've maybe just taken it slower. But the beauty of training and honing your craft as a trainer is tailoring what we do to each individual dog. Jolie and Marcel Vermette train Border Collies on their ranch just north of Outlook, Saskatchewan. It's now coming up on 1 o'clock. That means it's time to take a look at the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny, winds south at 15 to 25, and a high of minus 3 degrees. For tonight, mainly cloudy with a 20% chance of flurries, winds south-southeast at 10 to 20, and a low of minus 7. For tomorrow, morning cloud, then sunny, winds northwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 2, a low of minus 12. For Saturday, partly to mainly sunny, a light southwest wind and a high of minus 4. For Sunday, partly sunny with a 20% chance of evening flurries, a high of minus 8. For Monday, partly sunny, a high of minus 14. In the Paw and Swan River, it's minus 11 degrees. Dauphin is at minus 9. Brandon and Roblin, minus 12. Show Lake Russell, minus 13. Regina, minus 5. Saskatoon Indian Head, minus 6. Hudson Bay, minus 9. Broadview Mooseman, minus 7. Winyard Wadena Kelvington, minus 8. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a south wind at 18 kilometers an hour. 74% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 9 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 16 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.